Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 191 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Hello, Adam. Hello, Joe. How are you? Doing good. I noticed the last couple of weeks um, on this show and the comic book show, I was not projecting my voice enough in the beginning. Okay. And then I had to, like, do the cut down of the entrance, the, the opening theme a little bit. Because mm-hmm. it'll on the comic book show when Todd has to open the show, it really drowns him out because Todd's such a soft-spoken fella. <laughs> sure. And I like have loud projecting booming voice, but uh, you know, just haven't been projecting as much. And as I was telling Adam before we started recording, I'm sick today. Nothing serious, just a run-of-the-mill cold. But it's just, you know, I'm achy, I'm schnotty. And if I'm muting, it's probably because I'm blowing my nose. Yeah, like, I like to think of it when you start off low, you're just building, you're ramping up, you know? Right. As opposed to me, I start off full of energy, and by hour three of the podcast, I've puttered out. I have nothing left to give. We need to switch things up so you're doing the opening sometimes. Hmm. Eh, I like the, I'm bare minimum Adam over here. I'm good. (laughs) All right, fair enough. You are bare minimum Adam. That is true. (laughs) This is, yep, yep. Hey, listen, uh, at this point, people are listening. They're, they're tuning in for you, Joe. And uh, I am just the icing on the cake. I guess. <laughs> at this point, you know, I'd like to think that I've brought you up as opposed to you've brought me down. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's an interesting debate there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We need to look at, like, your social media presence. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but I, I, like, I've been punchy. I miss, like, a t- like, I'm... I'm glad that I've missed a bunch of social media these last couple days. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I messaged Kevin when he made his call in and I'm like, did you not do the write up today? He's like, yeah, I sent it out at one. And I'm like, I don't know how the fuck I missed that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I will. I will happily do the retweets of anybody that tags the show. Yeah. But as I've said, like I don't go scrolling through Twitter unless, you know, if I, when I'm watching the AW pay-per-view this week, I'll probably be on there live. Um, but otherwise, uh, unless I've absolutely nothing else to do, I stay far, far away from Twitter to to my own benefit. Right. I, I'm I'm hoping with the weather opening up nicer, nicer, I'll be out in the pool where you can't be on Twitter in your pool legally. <laughs> oh, really? I need to I get just... unless I get one of those like waterproof cases for my phone. <laughs> But I think that's a good excuse for me not to be on my phone. I just picture you, uh, and I don't know why I'm picturing this, but you just like floating with like, uh, you know, the arm floaties around your arm, maybe like that white stuff on your nose, you know, a big bucket hat and just tweeting away. Well, no floaties in the pool yet. We haven't, like I said, we just opened up the pool, uh, but we have some sort of like high end SPF um, suntan lotion, right? Yeah. And I'm deathly afraid of getting a sunburn. I would have to say this must have been about six or seven years ago on vacation. I got sunburned real bad. Mm. So, like, now, you know, not that, not that I'm not fat, disgusting, and hairy, but I wear a shirt when I go out, mm-hmm. you know? But I cake on the suntan lotion, but because I'm so hairy, it, you know, it's tough to really get it through the coarse hair that's on my body. Yeah, so it's quite, it's quite the picture, you know? Yeah, I I think I might be immune to sunburn. Like, I, I've tried to get, like, a tan, and, yeah. like, I could be out in the sun, like, baking. Like, I go kayaking in the summertime, out on the water, just completely shirtless, looking like a sight, and, like, out there for hours. And, 
well, you know, people will be like, oh, put on some, you know, suntan lotion. You're going to get burned. I'm like, nah, it's cool. I need to get a base. You know, and like I'll, after the end of the day, I'm still white as a ghost. So I think I am immune to getting a, a tan or a sunburn. And like I said, for a good part of my life, so did I until that one summer, six or seven years ago where I got baked and it sucked. Yeah. It's but like, anyway, summertime is here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes. And, I'll, if I get a if I get a good tan, I'll take a picture. But it's not going to happen. Oh, there you go. I'm a fan of tan lines, but maybe <laughs> not on you. All right, let's get into it. Yeah. And now, at odds with wrestling presents this day in wrestling history. Hey, it's a busy day in this day in wrestling history, and I love it. It makes me so happy. Uh, let's start with an easy one. Uh, this would have been five years ago. AIW, which we'll be talking a lot about more later. Uh, JT Lightning Invitational Tournament Night 1. All the singles matches. And again, this is five years ago. We got, you know, just some of the hitters. We got Dom taking on Little Guido. Uh, Janela taking on Laredo Kid, Dan Severin versus Tom Lawler, uh, Gringo Loco versus Colin Delaney, Tracy Williams versus Eddie Kingston, which I think I remember that match being really good, uh, and Swoggle taking on Mordecai, where I think <laughs> they do like a crowd brawl, and Mordecai just picks up an entire plastic garbage can, and when I say hurls it at, at Swoggle, like, he throws it like he's a good like 10 to 12 feet away from Swoggle and throws it at him and it hits him right in the head. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm looking at that. I got Britt Baker's on there. And we'll be more on her later, too. Nice. Very nice. I missed. Oh, Britt against Mike Tolar. OK, <laughs> where, where where are you, Mike Tolar? And where are you, Sean Schultz? The uh, uh, <laughs> some, some Mount Carmel legends. Oh, uh, yeah. Never heard of either one of them. <laughs> Well, again, a lot of people didn't hear about a lot of people that made their returns at the uh, AIW show this past weekend. But uh, also, again, we're going to bounce around quite a bit. On this day, wrestling history in 1996 was the ill-fated In Your House Beware of Dog pay-per-view, where they lost power and only the first two matches ended up being on uh, TV, and they had to redo the pay-per-view the next night at the TV tapings. Was this, were there matches that were broadcast, but in the dark somehow? Am I remembering this right? So, um, so you know, obviously looking at the card listing here, uh, we have Mark Miro versus Triple H in the opening. Mm -hmm. And then we have Savio versus Steve Austin, uh, early Stone Cold Steve Austin in a strap match. And the power goes out during this match. Uh, and they continue showing this match to its finish in the dark on pay-per-view. And then they can't get the power on, so they just scrap the rest of the pay-per-view. Okay. Yeah, and this I remember watching Raw the next night, and they're like, ask your local cable providers to do the right thing. Like, as if, like, somehow <laughs> you weren't going to get your money back for that show. Yes. Because they did make you buy the next one, because they're like, fuck you, you know? Right. Uh, right, so that's what it was. It was the pay-per-view, then they did Raw, and then it was the Tuesday where, at the TV tapings, they did the pay-per-view again. Yeah, and not this Tuesday in Texas, though. No. <laughs> uh, this day, Wrestling History in 1990, uh, the angle aired on TV of Earthquake attacking Hulk Hogan on the Brother Love Show. 
and I, I don't know if I've said this before, but I think this is my earliest wrestling memory. Oh, really? Yeah, because 1990 is when I started, and I feel like this is the first thing I can remember of Hulk Hogan, period. I, so I remember, you know, you, like many other people of your age, you know, and you're yeah. a couple of years younger than me. Uh, like, this is WrestleMania 6 time. Like, WrestleMania 6 was just about two months prior. So it probably would have been out by v- on VHS by now because they would kind of rush to get WrestleManias out on VHS pretty quickly. Yeah. Yep. So there's a very good chance that you probably saw uh, WrestleMania VHS, and then this might have been the first live thing that you yeah, saw. Yeah, that makes more sense because I did uh, see – well, I didn't see Mania – live because again i thought it was being performed at the cyc <laughs> uh so i definitely waited until it was on vhs but yeah i don't know if i saw the vhs first or if it was this but this could have very well been the first thing i saw on like saturday morning you know yeah, right but what so what i'm saying is there's a very good chance that between april 1st when wrestlemania happened and may 26 and this happening that wrestlemania came out on vhs and you yeah. saw it in between there you know it's all it's possible, but the infancy of my wrestling knowledge and expertise. So this angle actually served three purposes. One was so Hulk Hogan can go and film Suburban Commando. Two, so on TV they could sell Hulk Hogan friendship bracelets. Do you remember <laughs> friendship bracelets, Adam? I don't remember Hulk having a friendship bracelet, but I remember friendship bracelets. Right. Right before and slap wraps. And three, uh, this was the Get Well Soon Hulkster uh, write-in campaign, which definitely wasn't used so the World Wrestling Entertainment could update their mailing list. <laughs> it was definitely not those three things. No, it wasn't early, like, uh, what are they, identity theft. You know? Yes. And I'll say this. If you could find on YouTube, and you see people putting the gifts of it out, but if you could find the airing of this brother love on YouTube, and it's out there, right? Mm. They actually splice together two different sh- like air- like shots of this brother love. Like they filmed it like one night at TV, and then they filmed it again the next night at TV. And when they aired it, it's real weird because like Hogan's shirt is ripped off, but when they're taking him out on the stretcher, his shirt's back on. Well, that's a very powerful shirt there. Huh? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so also, and again, like I said, bouncing around on this day in wrestling history, head to head, 1997, Raw versus Nitro. Nitro's back to two hours. Yeah. Bas- basketball playoffs are over. Uh, Hulk Hogan's back from filming Assault on Devil's Island. <laughs> the what now? <laughs> One of the many direct to uh, like TV movies that the Hulkster shot as part of his Time Warner contract. Okay. Yeah, I don't this remember a, that one. This is when Hogan came back and he had no mustache, but he had like on a he had like a thick, fully painted on real beard. Okay. Yep, that I remember. <laughs> and uh, you know, and it's a it's a lackluster show. You know, your you know, one of your final matches is a three and one handicap match of Jerry Flynn, Johnny Swinger, and Rick Fuller taking on the Giant. Uh, the Barbarian versus Jim Powers, Wrath versus Mark Starr. Uh, but I, so far. I know you'll be surprised by this. A 1997 Nitro with a closing segment of fake Sting being humiliated by the NWO, only for real Sting to come out and attack the NWO and Tony Schiavone to say, folks, we're out of time. 
Oh, they need to budget their time better. Yes. <laughs> it happened more often than you would think. <laughs> now, over on Monday Night Raw, we have a ton of stuff going on. Uh, you know, we mentioned like a month or so ago that Raw kind of start hitting the cycle of things. They're two hours. They're live every week. Um, I would say the capper of this is Austin and Michaels defeating Owen and Davey for the tag team titles. Once again, Shawn Michaels gets one up on those hearts. Uh-huh. We'll see how Shawn Michaels lasts the rest of these uh, this day in wrestling histories in 1997. <laughs> uh, but this is a really good match. You know, surprisingly, all four people involved. Um, this is also the next part of the JR sit-downs with Mankind. And this is the first time the words dude love are ever uttered on a World Wrestling Entertainment program. Ooh. Okay. I'm sure that won't lead to anything. That won't awaken anything inside anyone. This is like a <laughs> this is like a cameo first appearance. You know, you gotta get this episode CGC'd. Yes. It now, predates okay, the first so fall. Also, this is uh so uh if you you know, so Paul Bearer turned on Undertaker a year prior. He was managing Vader and Mankind. At In Your House, Return of the Taker, or Revenge of the Taker, whatever the hell it was, they did the fireball gimmick where it got fucked up, and you you remember that, right? Yep. So, Paul Bearer gets burned. This is his return to TV. No black hair dye, no mustache. He has, like, the red hair, and he has a big giant bandage on his face. Mm -hmm. And when he comes out and cuts his promo on The Undertaker, this is the first mention of Kane. Okay, I remember that. So the Kane angle starts here. It's it, it it is interesting. I will give you credit when you you that these are all like super important seeds to yeah. like the next couple of years of wrestling. You know, right? And then Kane would go on to make really sound decisions and and like uh, make really informed statements on Twitter through the later years of his life. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people joke about this on social media. But there was a period of time where everyone in wrestling said the two smartest people in wrestling in the 90s were Kane and Val Venus. <laughs> and I think it was just because instead of like doing whatever, they read books backstage. Now, granted, nobody knew what those books were. Yeah, there were highlights for kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So last but not least, I know this is before wrestling started, 1987. No. Okay. One of these I love. I'm fascinated. I love when these sort of things happen. So on this day in wrestling history, on television, they told us that the night before in Tacoma, Washington, the Rock and Roll Express defeated Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez for the NWA World Tag Team titles. Okay. But what really happened was Rick Rude left the NWA to go to the World Wrestling Entertainment while still being one half of the tag team champions. So they just showed an old match, not from Tacoma, Washington, <laughs> of the Rock and Roll Express beating Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez, claimed it was just from the night before, and they cut it off before like they, they did like the referee reverse decision or whatever it was. They mm -hmm. showed the Rock and Roll Express winning, and they're like, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. They won the, they won the titles. Were, were, was Ric Flair – I'm sorry, Ric Flair. Rick Rude and whoever the other guy was, were they actually the tag champs in that match that they showed? 
No. Okay. <laughs> and this didn't happen in Rio de Janeiro either. It did not happen in Rio de Janeiro. Wow. All right. All right. Interesting. But something else happened on this day in 1987 as well, Adam. I I was a wrestling fan for a very long time. I, I you know, I'm barely 10 years old. My 10th ten, my birthday is just over the horizon a few days later. Mm-hmm. I love professional wrestling. You know, we don't have NWA, but, you know, we get AWA on ESPN. I, I love World Wrestling Entertainment. You know, I just went to go see WrestleMania 3 a few weeks prior at the CYC on the big screen. And then all of a sudden, what happened on this day, but it was in the Associated Press, so it made like our local paper, mm-hmm. that there was a, an arrest, two wrestlers were arrested with marijuana and cocaine in their possession while speeding on the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> and those two wrestlers were Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik. <gasps> but why were they together? <laughs> so nine. this is when nearly 10-year-old me figured out, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> These guys are fighting on TV. How come they're driving together? Yeah. <laughs> and it appeared as though uh the strict the strict adherence to kayfabe is nothing for the strict love of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I can't blame cocaine's awesome. So I hear <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. So again, I I'll, I'll say you know what happened on this day? I probably didn't find out until like a day or two later when it made like the Associated Press and everything. Yeah. But uh, th- this is what I found out wrestling uh, might not be on the up and up, you know? Yeah. Now, did that hit you hard? Like, where, like learning that Santa's fake, you know? <laughs> like, like I, I, I think it was one of those things where I kind of sort of knew, like, there had been, like, exposés on, like, 2020 and stuff. Uh-huh. I'll never forget they showed one where it was, and somebody else could find this for us, or maybe I'll, like, find it later, where it was Bob Backlund and Larry Zabisco. Okay, and Zabisco has Bob Backlund on the ground in a headlock, and they show the thing, and they're wrestling, wrestling, wrestling in the headlock, and then all of a sudden, they get up and they go through some spots, right? Mm-hmm. And they go, "Let's enhance the audio here just for a second. And they enhance the audio, and it's them calling spots, and they like, and it's like, "All right, we're gonna get up. You're gonna shoot me off." We're going to do two leapfrogs, and then you're going to shoulder tackle me. Got it? While they're in the headlock. Mm-hmm. And then they even focus in that, like, you see Backlund, like, reach and, like, give Zabisco, like, an, like the Iggy, like, pinch him to let him know that he got it. Yeah. And then, like, they enhance the audio. You see uh, Backlund give him the pinch, gets up, bump, bump, shoots him off, leapfrog, leapfrog, and shoulder tackle. And I'm like, well, maybe it was just them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not everybody. Maybe just these. See, I don't know if I ever had an aha moment with kayfabe because from a very early age, like watching wrestling at my grandfather's, like right off the bat, like it was like, oh, it's fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. So like I was never told or tried to nobody ever tried to convince me that it was real you know and and maybe body slam made me think that like, oh, it's all scripted except for the title matches. Those are real. <laughs> 
Right, and so and that's the other thing is because, and, like, I remember even as a kid, like, as we were a little bit, like, getting a little bit older, and it was maybe, like, a year later, maybe two, may have been, like, late 88 into early 89 where we started getting uh, NWA, WCW programming. And my mom would always say, like, oh, that's the fake shit. Look at that. You know, because it looked, you know, dingy. Or, like, WWE was bright and big and everything else like that. Where mm. WCW was, like, filmed in a studio in front of, like, 60 people, you know? Yeah. So my mom would be like, oh, that's the fake shit, you know? So I'm <laughs> like, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But then, like, if only I can go back. It's like, hey, mom, let's watch this Ronnie Garvin squash match and see how fake things are. <laughs> All right. All right, so that's all of this day in wrestling history. Let's get into some stuff that we want to talk about uh, from the last week in wrestling, Adam. What would you like to kick things off with? All right, I'm going to start with AEW Dynamite this week. And I feel like I'm overcompensating because for the longest time I was like, yay, AEW, it's so great. I love you, AEW. And then like last week I was pretty harsh. I'm going to be super double, triple harsh on AEW this week and just say – with a few exceptions, there was a couple cool segments on AEW, but this episode of Dynamite for a go-home show was terrible. And I have a couple things I'm going to point out, and I will obviously say that Swerve is uh, completely absolved from any blame. Swerve is the coolest. His stuff in that, that three-way match uh, was awesome. But I want to just say, like, Hangman and CM Punk, their little promo, Hangman's really angry, but I don't know why. Uh, Jeff Cobb, and the great Okan, and obviously I know who the great Okan is because I'm a Japanese wrestling expert. Sure. But like, like they debuted and it was like a fart in church. I feel like they botched their their tandem offense. Jeff Cobb almost killed the bald revival guy trying to deliver a power bomb. There was that really weird claw that where Trent basically just jumped on his own through like the table off the uh, off the apron. Yeah, they were uh, supposed to they were supposed to go on three and Trent went on one. It had yeah, like like that whole debut or re-debut in Cobb's case was just like au- awkward. And speaking of awkward, Thunder Rosa coming out totally redeeming herself with another great promo. It actually started off pretty decent. I like the mentioning of, hey, I'm going to show you my face, but on Sunday I'm going to have the war paint on. But then they started playing her music, and I feel really bad for her because she it that was the longest 10 seconds, 15 seconds, where she was staring at the camera thinking, like, should I talk? Should I wait for the music to stop? Should I keep going? Because she had something else to say, but it was just, like, really uncomfortable. Uh, And then what the hell happened with Jamie Hayter coming out? Like, I love Jamie Hayter, don't get me wrong. But, like, during the Baker and Storm match, like, she's supposed to distract the ref or help with Britt Baker grabbing the ropes, but she was just kind of there and, like, didn't do anything to influence the end of the match. And, uh... Overall, there was a lot of just weird, bad stuff on this Dynamite show. Uh, Like I said, some good stuff, but I just want to kind of do a brief overview of just the stuff that made me scratch my head. So I get what you're saying, okay? Yep. Uh, I really do. Now, uh, I will say that I had some of this in my uh, stuff to talk about, and we'll kind of work backwards. I didn't love the Thunder Rosa promo. Um, I get what they were trying to do, but them playing her music too soon. And I've mentioned this on here before. Uh, English is not her first language. Same thing with Serena Deeb. Sometimes 
a backstage produced segment is better than an in live in front of the crowd segment. And I think it's kind of shown with these two over the last couple of weeks. You could only get better by doing, but obviously live TV sometimes isn't the best spot to be doing, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sure the match will be fine at the pay-per-view. I got no problems with that. It's just like the build-up to it has been like blah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to change your opinion on the great Ocon uh, in that did you see his adventures in uh, Las Vegas this weekend or oh, last hey. night? Listen, I, I saw him riding the dick at the one bar. <laughs> uh, Did you see him getting strapped at the other bar? I'm seeing it now on your screen. Again, I'm not criticizing the guy. He seems like a blast. And that picture right there, he's getting two handfuls. Like, I, he seems like a great right. guy. I'm just saying uh, his debut was not exactly effective. Because, again, you know who he is. I clearly know who he is. But your right. average U.S. wrestling fan might not be familiar with him. And just that debut is just... Uh, there were so many, like, just kind of, I don't want to say botches, but it didn't go over well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen those pictures on Twitter, and good for him. All right. Yeah. Now, <laughs> on the other hand, the Punk and Hangman promo. I get where you're coming from. And in a bubble, watching this, it was weird, right? It seemed yep. strange. Yeah, I just want to interject, like, CM Punk was all like, hey... Uh, you know, you're a great champion and I want to prove that I'm great. And I'd like to wrestle you in a, you know, in a match to prove who's the best. And hey, man, it's just like, oh, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> you know? So it seems as though, uh, and again, I, I want to preface this for the most part by saying these are strictly the on-screen television characters. Okay. Yeah. It seems as though Hangman knows something we don't. Right. Mm-hmm. He intimates that CM Punk may have been saying one thing and doing another. Okay. That doesn't sound like good old Phil. He's a good guy in 2022. He has two bunnies. Okay. All right. Yeah, listen. Phil Brooks, outside of professional wrestling, I got no problems, right? Mm -hmm. CM Punk in the world of professional wrestling, he's been great. He's been a baby face. He's been slapping everyone's hands. But somebody else, I think it was Kenny from the Mystery Men pointed this out to me. Somebody tweeted, Eddie Kingston has said that CM Punk is a piece of shit. MJF has said that CM Punk is a piece of shit. I'm sure there's a couple other people on that roster that might also say that CM Punk is a piece of shit if you put a microphone in their face. Mm -hmm. Now Hangman Page is saying CM Punk is a piece of shit. Why are all these people lying? Now, I remember back in 2005, the summer of 2005, to be specific, when CM Punk won the ROH world title after this ginormous babyface run to the title, and then he signed his World Wrestling Entertainment contract the next night on the Ring of Honor title, and thus the heel run in the summer of Punk began. Then, after he beat John Cena for the World Wrestling Entertainment title, and he came back uh, after the contract dispute that really wasn't a contract dispute, very shortly thereafter, he became the snake that he said that he always has been. Hmm. I think Adam Page knows his professional wrestling history, and he knows that if CM Punk wins the title on Sunday, 
we're going to see the evil, bad CM Punk. The one that we saw back in 2005, and the one that we saw back in 2012, and the one that maybe everyone backstage at AEW sees. (laughs) So do you have to, like, do a little work for all this stuff to make sense today? Yes. If the story is true and correct and accurate, are they going to give us all this information? I, they haven't really screwed up a big angle like this so far. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I mentioned it a bunch of times here on the show. You know, we as wrestling fans on mainstream wrestling, we kind of need to be reacclimated the way that stories can be told again, just because for the last 20 years, they haven't been told very well for the most part. You get one or two or three over the course of 20 years, you're going to be very critical and scrutinize every other storyline that comes around. I'm willing to let this one play out because of the trust that I have in AEW creative Mm -hmm. and the two people involved in Hangman Page and CM Punk. I'm sure it'll be a fantastic match. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the match will, I'm sure it'll be great. The story might just be a little bit wonky right now is all I'll say. Okay. Fair enough. I, I get what you're saying. Ah, all right. Well, we overlapped a little bit there. Do you have anything else? Yeah, so Dynamite wasn't all, all bad uh, uh-huh. this week. Because that opening segment with uh, Wardlow versus Jan Spears in the cage with MJF uh, as the special guest referee. And I understand why it wasn't. Uh, but if that was the closing segment of the show... Um, it was fantastic as the opening segment of the show, uh, but if that was the closing segment of the show, I think even more people would be raving about it. It was fantastic. It was pitch-perfect professional wrestling. That's the way that it should be. Very clear-cut babyface, very clear-cut heel. And now going into the pay-per-view with all this dumb shit with MJF teasing that he's going to leave and he's unhappy creatively, which is all still a bullshit work. But the fact that they're doing it I don't know who's going to win that match at the pay-per-view. It should be Wardlow, right? Yeah. I can't, t- I, I wouldn't put money on it. You know, I know uh, you could bet through who's that DraftKings is the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was saying, I guess, like, as of like this afternoon, the line was, if you put $25 down on MJF winning, you get $85 back. All right. All right. So you think again, of an opportunity? Right. It's an opportunity. <laughs> I'm not mentioning this to enable uh, gamblers that listen to the show, but um, I've I've loved the build to this. Is it the same build that they've done for a lot of MJF angles? Yeah. Uh, can I admit for the longest time that I didn't get Wardlow? Yeah. I get him now. I understand what Wardlow is supposed to be. Uh, you know, he's fantastic. Yeah, I will say, like, I, I did love this segment and, or this match, whatever. This entire angle has been one of those things where you can predict with like 99% certainty of what is going to happen at every beat along the way. Like when that match started, you're like, okay, somehow MGF is going to get taken out and get replaced with another ref. You know, somehow he's going to break the cuffs or whatever. Like, but it doesn't matter because what we booked in our heads as like the next logical step was the most entertaining option, you know? So we got exactly what we expected, but we weren't let down by it. Uh, And then obviously you get Wardlow just murdering fools at the end. Like I would have liked with the security guards coming in because it was like what, eight, nine, 10 of them. 
after like the first five or six got wiped out, at what point do the rest of the security guards just throw the hands up and be like, maybe take the shirt off and be like, nah, it's not worth it. Because that guy that got lawn darted into the cage, I don't know if he ever recovered from it. That was pretty sick. Um, yeah, I think he's under the ring and dead forever. <laughs> quite possibly. But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say that I liked Wardlow from the start, but I remember like the Wardlow versus or Wardlow evil eyeing Jake Hagar back during the MJF uh, trying to get into the inner circle stuff. That's when I was like starting to like Wardlow, but it was solidified when he was getting strapped last week with, or, you know, he was just no selling it. Uh, I agree with the entire internet that, that something moved, you know, <laughs> it was, it was pretty solid. Uh, but that's really all I got this week. It's been a light week, you know, outside of uh, whatever else. Um, yeah. You know, everything's been kind of building toward uh, the pay-per-view this weekend. Um, I know before we started recording, they moved where Money in the Bank is being held to a oh. much smaller building. It was supposed to be like in a 70,000 seat arena. Was there a bomb state- threat? Well, that's the joke that everyone's been making. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was supposed to be so it was in a 70,000 seat stadium that was now bear in mind, it was only being um prepped for 40,000, okay? Yeah, cuz they like hard cam side is probably yeah. off and like the entrance and all that. But even at being prepped for 40,000, they couldn't even hit that a week before the pay-per-view. They need to bring back so, the Thunderdome. Bring some screens in. <laughs> well, listen, I'll just say this. Uh, noted non-draw Cody. They, You know, if Roman was still on that poster, they would have sold that building out. Cody's on that poster. Eh, not so interested. And isn't this, like, again, I'm a little out of the loop. Isn't this hell in the cell? This is hell in the cell. Oof. I mean, as far as non-marquee pay-per-views go, I think that's one of the bigger ones. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, aside um, from like the big four or, you know, King of the Ring when that was a thing, you know, Hell in the Cell, Money in the Bank, you know, those are, I think, the, the bigger draws of the normally. Right. <gasps> Maybe enough there was, people don't know that the Codester's on it. He's on the poster. They need to double down. He needs to be on like giant billboards. <laughs> so I guess part of the issue is now that, you know, everyone who got tickets for the initial building are mm. all having their money refunded, and then Friday, they have to go through the queue again to try to get tickets. Okay. Like, instead that, of just saying, like, hey, you know, we're gonna, like, just issue you a new ticket, like, comparable seating, right? hmm So it's just, like, if you had purchased, like, a day one ticket front row or whatever it is, you now get your money back, yay, but now you gotta scramble to try to get that you know, a week and change out from the pay-per-view. Yeah, like, if you wanted that, like, first five row, you want that Cody chair to take home and, and sit on forever, <laughs> you know, you have to go through the effort again. Interesting. All right, I, I mean, I honestly... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I know uh, the Nick Khan um, objective was for them to do eight stadium shows a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically you're you're talking your big four, your Royal Rumble, your WrestleMania, your Survivor Series, your SummerSlam. Uh, they're doing the, the show overseas. That's one of them. And this was supposed to be one of them. And it failed. Hmm. Now, when you say overseas, do you mean the Saudi blood show? 
No, no, no. So that's kind of announced this week too. What's the the UK one? Uh it's like Tower of Terror or something like right. that. Right. Uh Clash at the Castle, I think it's called. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm sure everything will be all right. WWE is in good hands. But that's another one where like it first day ticket sales were good, but it didn't sell out and ticket prices are like crazy high. Um I get what W is trying to do. You know, they're trying to bolster back up their uh, live event sales by doing these multiple big shows across the course of the year, as opposed to like, you know, like hitting like those big towns, like on a loop, like they used to do whatever it was because live event and merch and pay, you know, network subscriptions and Peacock subscription, all those things pale in comparison to TV rights and Saudi blood oil money shows. Yeah. Um, but obviously trying to do this many stadium shows was a bit advantageous uh, to go from four to eight. They maybe should have went like four to five to test the waters. And then if five works, go to six. And mm-hmm. if six works, go to seven. And then yeah, da, 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 da. instead of going four to eight and then your first one out of the box, that's not a marquee pay-per-view. Fa- I'm sorry. Premium live event fails. Mm-hmm. I think I know why the Clash of the Castle isn't doing so well. It's right. because the UK indie scene is just so strong that right. they can't draw those fans away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree with you. I didn't really have much uh, aside from dunking on AEW. I was all set to like start smearing GCW and all the fake uh, COVID test stuff. But then I saw a bunch of people come out being like, oh, maybe it's not legit. So I'll just say that my last talking point is just the fact that on, I believe, SmackDown this week, they did the thing with the Usos and uh, Roman Reigns, where uh, the Usos were told that they need to win the tag titles and Roman hugged them. And then he gave the grin to the camera. And I was like, that's very Bret Hart, Hart Foundation like right there. And I popped for it just because out of nostalgia. So that's that's my other talking point is uh, Roman's awesome. Uh, he's taking what Bret Hart did and making it better. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I got. Um, do you want me to talk about the GCW thing? <laughs> you could talk about it if you want to talk about it. But like, I, I saw it was like sweeping the Internet by storm for like a half a day. And yeah. then people are like, no, no, this is not a story, or maybe it's made up, or maybe it's exaggerated, or whatever. So I'm just like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be a bigger thing, but I feel like everybody gave up on it already. Yeah, so I, I guess it felt like it was going to be a bigger thing. Um, I will give kudos to Brett for not running off at the mouth and mm-hmm. saying that my lawyer advised me not to make a statement, which I'm like, okay. Um, But... A lot of other people that have worked for GCW shows have come out and said, like, hey, when I worked these shows, I was forced, to, you know, they they forced. I, I had a show that I was vaxxed. I had to take a pop, negative. I got to show negative tests and so on and so forth. A couple people maybe getting a little too antagonistic with um, some of the fans regarding this. Joey, and I get, okay. <laughs> and listen, I get it. You're very proud of what you do. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people like, and a lot of this guy and the guy was kind of discredited and stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, the money that's involved and that's neither here nor there, you know, um, you'd be surprised what a lot of people make on indies and what they lie and say they actually make on indies being two different things. 
Um, I could say the time that I worked in GCW, I never had an issue with my pay. I, you know what I mean? Like I never, and obviously this was pre blowing up GCW. I always got the pay. Sometimes I had to wait a very long time to be paid, but I always got paid. Um, I'm not the only one uh, or like there. I, I know at least two personal firsthand instances where I had to intervene for someone after I had been long done with GCW. Uh, people who had done one-shots there, and they're like, hey, it's been like two months, and I haven't gotten paid. And I will say, as soon as I contacted Brett out of the blue and just say, hey, so-and-so contacted me, they didn't get paid, could you help them out? And they were immediately paid. Um, I will only say this. There was a list of people that this person who's been discredited as being a crackhead... Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, I also need a list in wrestling which drugs are okay to take and which ones aren't. <laughs> I know, I know cocaine's bad, or uh, I know uh, cocaine's good because I've yes. been at GCW shows where they've done cocaine as a spot during a show, as a match, right? So cocaine's yeah. on the good list, <laughs> cracks on the bad list. Yeah, I'd like someone to get back in touch with me where uh, ketamine falls. I have an uh, idea. Yeah, where it yeah. falls. Pretty sure Ed tells me that it's okay. I don't want Ed to tell me. I want the people. I want the people that say crack's bad, cocaine's okay. Um, but there was a list of people that Brett allegedly requested false tests or, or, or you know, uh, fake tests for, right? Yeah. And Brett was one of those names. Uh, Brett was requesting a fake test or a fake test for himself. Mm-hmm. None of those people have come out and said. Uh, they had to take tests, they had to be vaccinated, they had to do this. Now, granted, some of them are no longer in GCW. Granted, some of them were, like, special appearance-type people. I'd like to see them come out and say, I never had a fake test provided to me on behalf of the promotion. Yeah, it was, like, a lot of shoot names and stuff like that, you know? But if you know, you know. Yeah. But Brett's name was on there, and that's the one. I'd like Brett to come forward, at least. And once he's done with his legal counsel, <laughs> and say, I never had a fake test. Mm-hmm. Because his name was one of the people there, right? Yeah. And a lot of a lot of his other wrestlers have come out and said they haven't. So, that's all I'm saying. The whole thing seems fishy. A lot of people like to use GCW as a punching bag, and rightfully so. They're the number six promotion in the world behind World Wrestling Entertainment, AEW, TNA, <laughs> OVW, Warrior Wrestling. I don't know. <laughs> EWG. No, I kid about OVW. Not about Impact. Maybe Warrior Wrestling. Definitely PWG. But anyway, um, that's all. You know, obviously, Brett has a lot to get his house in order. There's a lot of people. And that's the thing. When... The bigger you get, the more people are going to come gunning for you in regards to these sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, no one's ever asked me one way or the other when all the stuff was going on with uh, Jerry and Brett that has now resulted in the settlement series. But mm-hmm. uh, I've been Team Jerry for 22 years, and I'm going to be Team Jerry for at least another 20-plus, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's that. All hey. Right. I know we teased it a bunch before, but there's a pay-per-view this weekend, ain't there? There is. It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's 
Kofi Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? Now, a couple things, Joe. For one, I feel like it's been forever since we've done a Does Joe Know the Card? Because I feel like my heart hasn't had that song played to it in a while, and I'm happy to hear it again. But. As we said, there is a pay-per-view this weekend, and that is AEW Double or Nothing, and according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling information, there are 11 announced matches on this pay-per-view, one of which is on a pre-show. Okay, perfect. Do you know the card? I think I do. All right. All right. We got got Hangman Page for CM Punk. Yep. We got uh, Serena Deeb versus Thunder Rosa. Yep. We got the triple threat for the tag titles, uh, which is uh, a Jurassic Express versus uh, 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 Swerve and Keith Lee versus uh, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Yep. Now, I'll just say this. You had mentioned that match before. My only complaint about that match, the triple threat from TV this week, uh, was to match the motif, Swerve should have wore little tiny tights as well. Okay. Just because, you know, Jungle Boy has his little tiny tights, and Ricky Starks has little tiny tights. You know, just, that's all. <laughs> got to cater right, to everything. Yeah, that, fair enough. That's three. All right, we got the Hardys versus the Young Bucks. That's four. We got Jade Cargill versus Anna J. That's five. Very odd, weirdly built-up match. Yeah, right out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And she ran in to help someone on TV, right? Yeah, I I, I remember her outfit. I mean her. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we got MJF versus Wardlow. That's six. We got the... Uh, uh, Anarchy in the Asylum, Anarchy in the Arena. Anarchy in the Arena. Where it's uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society against uh, Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, Moxley, and Danielson. That is correct. And what are the members of the Jericho Appreciation Society? Oh, come on. It's 2.0. And who are 2.0? Cool Hand Ange (laughs) and Daddy Magic. Uh, Matt Lee. It's not Matt Lee, but whatever Matt, it is. Matt Menard. All right. Matt Menard. Uh, Daniel Garcia, uh, undefeated MMA Jake Hagar, and uh, Jericho himself. The Wizard. Yep. All the right, Wizard. That's, that's uh, seven. Nobody beats the Wiz, huh? <laughs> we have the two Owen Hart finals. One, which is Samoan Joe versus uh, Adam Cole. Bebe. Yep. Uh, then we have Britt. Taking on, because it hasn't aired yet, uh, hasn't been taped yet, the winner of Ruby and Chris Statlander. I think it's going to be Statlander. Yep. Uh, Then the pre-show match is uh, Hook and Danhausen taking on book-too-good-itis Mark Sterling (laughs) and Tony Nese. Yep. And that's 10. There's one more match, huh? Yeah, you're you're leaving out probably one of the matches I'm most looking forward to. So it's a women's match. <laughs> no. Okay. It I'm is just... a it's a three on three match. 
Oh, uh, House of Black versus uh, the the de- Death Triangle. That is correct. I think that's going to be a banger. Too many matches on this goddamn show. Yeah, dude. AEW pay-per-views are seven hours long. And it doesn't feel like, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to be bad, but like this is going to start at what? Eight o'clock? Well, pre-show seven. Pre-show starts at seven. I assume, you know, you're going to have like the main show is going to start at eight. And in the media scrum today, Tony Khan said that he's not going to send the main event out if the playoffs are still on the game because they're head to head with game seven of the NBA finals. Okay. <laughs> that if if by some chance the NBA Finals goes to overtime, he's not sending the main event out until the, the NBA Finals are over. Oh, what match is going to be the one like right before that? Imagine it's like Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay, and they're like, Jade, give us 15 more minutes. Oh, <laughs> sit in a headlock, girls. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's kind of like not everything, but like. What are you looking forward to? What are some predictions? You know, what's what's this? What's going to move the needle for you on this show? Uh, okay. Uh, so for the most part, they don't put on bad pay per views, right? Yeah. Uh, it's strange to see an AEW pay per view where there's like no Darby, no FTR. Um, you know, some of the heavy hitters are being left off, right? Yeah, I mean, I, Anna Jay's in the Dark Order, so you can count that. You know, I guess. But, yeah. So, okay. Uh, the Owen Hart final stuff, okay? They have it set up because I think they're trying to make us believe that it's going to be Britt and Adam Cole are going to win, since they're a couple. But I don't think so. I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to say Samoan Joe and Chris Statlander are winning those. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree that having the heels win both of them wouldn't necessarily be the best look. You right. know, I can kind of see Samoa Joe and then Brit because for whatever reason they refuse to not push Britt Baker to the moon, you know, so I could see that. Uh, so also the, the Bucks versus Hardy's match will be good. I have zero interest in that match. Same. Uh, Jade versus Anna J is going to be a glorified squash, which is fine. Jade needs more wins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the asylum or the anarchy at the arena. I want Kingston to pin Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know? obviously, uh, I'm trying to think like if somehow the Jericho appreciation society wins, I mean, clearly Danielson and Moxley aren't taking the pin. You know, maybe with Santana and Ortiz, but yeah, uh, yeah I do want to see the baby faces win that because I mean, they everybody on that team has been built up as killers, yeah. and the Jericho Appreciation Society has only gotten a leg up because they had the numbers game, and now it's even, and you don't want them unless all of a sudden all five of them start blowing fireballs out. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I can see yeah. them doing some sort of bullshit where Jericho throws the fireball at Regal. Uh-huh. And that allows uh, Jericho's team to get the win because they're going to check on Regal. Like, that distracts, uh, at the very least, Danielson and possibly Moxley to, to like, put the numbers game on Jericho's side. Yeah. All right, I'm looking forward to the match, though. Uh, I think Starks and Hobbs are going to win the tag titles. Uh, anybody but Jurassic Express. That's right, I, I I think this is going to be the 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 spark of the Christian heel turn that everyone's been begging for, and we're going to get Christian versus Jungle Boy, and then I think Luchasaurus is going to go away for a while. 
or Luchasaurus can be Christian's problem solver. Hmm. Maybe. It's heavy. You know, just tone down the, put him in a suit, but keep the dragon mask on or the dinosaur <laughs> mask. <laughs> you know, it's a heel dinosaur. No, I could see, so what I could see is them building up to a pay-per-view match with Jungle Boy and Christian and them doing Christian and uh, Luchasaurus on TV and Christian like putting Luchasaurus out like stretcher job. Yeah. To yeah. get over how dangerous Christian is. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm flip-flopping on what I'd consider like the two bigger matches and I'm going to say gut reaction is Wardlow is going to win. Mm-hmm. Hangman retains. Hmm. All right. I definitely, and I get the argument. I've heard it from many podcasts of having MJF win this somehow. And like it further just making Wardlow seem even better in the long run. But I think the crowd wants Wardlow crowned right now. And sometimes you got to give them what they want. You know, they want Wardlow as just an unstoppable killing machine and you got to feed him MJF. So I, I agree. I think Wardlow wins there. Um, I'm very torn on the, the main event. Like if you asked me just based on like, okay, we have to establish hangman and we have to let him get these big wins, but he's had a lot of big wins already, you know, and CM Punk in the eyes of the fans, like, they were they were booing Hangman even before he was kind of saying mean stuff, you know, like they want to cheer CM Punk and I can see them strapping up CM Punk on this, but I don't feel strongly one way or another. Right. Like, I like your idea of like having CM Punk win, having him turn heel and then having uh, Hangman be like, see, I knew this from the start, you know. I, I could see there being a lot of run ins in this match. Um, I don't know nothing. But I could see them doing, like, the dog and pony show for this one. Yeah. Is there anybody left on the bench to debut? <laughs> you know? No. No. Uh, but, mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any Swiss Superman that might want to show up and cause uh, this match to go in a different direction? I don't know direction? nothing about that, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I will say this. I saw somebody mentioning online that today has been 30 days since the last set of NXT releases. Hmm. And they all had 30-day non-competes, so you never know who or what could show up if you remember who got released on that last set of releases. Oh, so we could this this main event for the AEW World Championship can turn into a three-way dance with Hangman versus CM Punk versus Stoke. <laughs> I would I listen, if that happens, Hangman and Punk can just kiss that shit goodbye. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh Thunder Rosa retains against Miss Excitement, Serena Deeb. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I just want to watch Hookhausen versus Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. I, I, I know where I'm going to watch this pay-per-view and I hope I get there in time because I will be inconsolable if I miss the pre-show. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to make the pre-show, uh, but if I don't see this one, I'm sure it'll be on the YouTube when I get home at two o'clock in the morning after the pay-per-view runs its natural course. Yeah. All right, but I'm looking forward to the show. I think uh, aside from maybe the women's world title match and, you know, there's, that's mostly just an indictment of how it was built up. And yeah, uh, uh, the Hardys versus the Young Bucks, which I would have really enjoyed this match in Ring of Honor pre like the Hardys re-signing with WWE. But like right now, eh, don't care. Um, yeah. But other than that, I'm looking forward to the show. All six and a half hours of it. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of more wrestling that we just bought from this past weekend. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right, Joe. Last week, if those of you who are following at home might remember, you tried to do some kind of double twist, backflip, kabuki shit to somehow assign me the AIW show from this past weekend. And as I'm watching uh, Gauntlet for the Gold, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not taking notes on this. This is Joe's episode to present. So I assigned you with AIW Gauntlet for the Gold 15, and it is your job to present this homework, sir. Right. So I want to just throw this out here as well. Uh, head over to our good friend Kevin uh, website, Mass Library. He does a write-up uh, of these shows. Um, and I know I may have been catching some shit because... Uh, and I don't want to say that I'm an unreliable narrator uh, mm-hmm. or an unreliable source, but let's just say plans change sometimes because I think it was about 5.30 on Saturday where they're like, hey, we're going live on Jerry.tv. Surprise, motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. So well, the funny thing is, like, I just want to interject here. You had made it a, a point. You're like, block all social media. Do not go near your phone. Throw your computers in the pool. Like, stay away from it. So I literally, when I was leaving work at, like, 6 or 6.30, I muted all my social medias. And I was just like, well, I mean, I... I not so much muted, but you ever just like you pick up your phone, you open Twitter, you open Facebook, whatever, just out of like habit, you know, yeah. even when you're like, I have to stay away from this, but you sometimes just open it, whatever. So I would not have known that AIW was going to be streamed on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium if it wasn't for the fact that Artie messaged me and he's <laughs> like, hey, we're it's streaming. And I was like, what? And it had already like his match had passed. Oh, uh, yeah, so I had to catch that on the replay. But I'm like, son of a bitch. I was like, when did this happen? And then, you know what my first thought was, Joe? I was like, oh, I better message Joe because I'm sure he doesn't know about this. And I looked at your Twitter and you had already been live tweeting along to the show for like a half hour at that point. So I was like, what, was I going to be the last one to know about this? Because if Artie didn't message me, I would have never touched Twitter. I would have watched baseball and I would have never gotten anywhere near the thing. So Thank you to the strongest man in all the land. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, I would not have known because like you said, I was staying away from social media. So, I already, I unsubscribed to Wrestling Cheers just like you told me. <laughs> <laughs> so I had been told and the story had always been that the internet was not good at the Tadmore Shrine. Yeah. <laughs> and about 5.30 or so, Thorne messaged me and he's like, we're going live. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah, apparently uh, when the Jerry.TV people saw that Britt was here, they figured out how to go live from the Denmore Shrine. <laughs> it's funny how that works out, right? Yeah, funny how that works, huh? Yeah. Um, now, uh, full disclosure, uh, I knew about this for about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, listen to uh, The Card is Going to Change, the AIW podcast, where Thorne gets into... 
a lot of the minutia of how this came together, how this was supposed to come together like a year ago, um, how both Britt and Eddie Kingston, not that it would be any surprise to anyone listening to this, are complete menches above and beyond the call of duty when it comes to giving back to the indies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's that's something that can't be said for a lot of people and that can't be said specifically for a lot of indies. Yeah. You know, um, so definitely, I will, yeah. I, I will credit you, Joe, because you are somebody that when we get off mic, I have to forcibly stop you from spoiling things to me. Well, <laughs> like, no, I feel no, like... no. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you I know something. I, I know, but and I'm I'll sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I don't want to know. Don't spoil it for me. And you'll be like, but Britt Baker. No, no, no. I did that. tell you, did I? No, no, you that's what I'm saying. I'm giving you credit because I, I you exuded wanting to spoil it. <laughs> like it was no, no, just no. In your tone, but you so didn't. I, I exuded Excited. knowing how big of a deal this was going to be. I know. And I wanted to make sure people saw it. And prior to 5.30 on Saturday when it wasn't going to be streaming live, I didn't want people to get spoiled on, like, such a big surprise. Yeah. Um, I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Just teasing. I don't, li- I don't like to be the one who spoils a surprise. You know? Uh, mm-hmm. I'll spoil a bad surprise if I know a bad surprise, you know? Well, that doesn't make sense. You tried spoiling Broski winning the GCW title to me. <laughs> That's a good surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good for who? Everybody. All right. Let's get into the show. Yeah. Now, I, 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 again, I already had plans this night to watch the new Rescue Rangers movie. So, uh, like, the first, like, f- three or four matches I got to watch live, and then I don't get a chance to come back until the gauntlet, right? Okay. Live, at least. Well, I'll I'll make sure Eddie Kingston knows you chose Rescue Rangers over him. <laughs> I'm sure I'm I'm sure he'll understand that I was watching it with the two people in this house that he likes more than me. <laughs> okay. Uh so opener is bulking season versus Bang Bros. Uh first time meeting of these two teams. I thought they did great. Uh already had new gear, already had his working little cute boots on. <laughs> um Chuck Stone is Chuck Stone. I'm glad I'm getting a chance to see more of what the Bang Bros can do. Uh, you know, I still just have that memory of them and that Black Label Pro match of them getting smeared out by Dominic <laughs> uh, Like, I, I would just say, like, I've been looking, like, for years and years and years, I've been following the career of Bang Bros. Like, I remember back in the day, like, I was looking up Bang Bros on the internet, and it was just JPEG photos. And I was like, all right, this is what I got to make do with. If I want to follow Bang Bros, I got to look at JPEGs. And then as my internet got better, like, it was started to be, like, little, like, five minute video clips, but I'm glad that now I can turn on the internet and I can watch full HD bang bros matches. Uh Uh-huh. No comment. Uh, but yeah, bulking season gets the win. Good for them. Uh, already apparently when he drinks bang, he becomes even stronger, which uh, look out that is going to be unstoppable. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Bobby Orlando uh, taking on Casey Carrington the fourth, um, with Brian Carson in his corner. And you know, obviously, it was telegraphed that we were going to have the distraction finish 
with Brian to the outside. Casey is a regular. He has a program going forward with Dom. Um, it's okay for Bobby Orlando to take a couple losses right now. Um, but I really like Bobby shtick. Uh, mm. I think he's really good. And he's one of those guys, once Thorne kind of gives him that opportunity and he gets to have that one breakout match, it's going to knock a lot of people's socks off, you know? Yeah. I, I, I kind of get the vibe that, like, the AIW crowd isn't quite hip to Bobby Orlando yet. You know, obviously he was at the Winchester shows. and But he's more, I don't want to say he's known from being our neck of the woods, like Elvac and Cap and stuff like that. But I feel like, like you said, he needs that signature win, something to get him over with that fan base. Right. Uh, so next up, the Duke and the uh, Bitcoin boys come out. Um, now, I love the Duke. And listen, I, full disclosure, uh, I know the Duke. And the Duke's, you know, I don't want to blow up his spot, but he's a really nice guy, you know? <laughs> um, and I love when the Duke comes out and, like, he doesn't try to be a cool heel. He tries to be an asshole that no one likes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't come naturally for him, but Duke <laughs> is definitely one of those guys where, like, if you've seen him do his shtick and then you talk to him, you're like, how come you're not, how come you're not like a giant asshole? And you're like, oh, that's right. You know, people are different than their wrestling personas, but he does their wrestling persona so well. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he's he's not doing an act, but you right. know he is. But he's it just it seems natural. Uh, so they issue an open challenge, uh, and the Jollyville fuckets of Nasty Russ and T Money make their triumphant return to AIW. Uh, they were a stalwart of the Turner's Hall Mount Carmel days, mm -hmm. and these are two guys that like they're Ohio based guys. They don't really get out much. Mostly because they're like they're nine to fivers, which is like upon like a nine to five themselves. But they have like good, nice union jobs. Um, so it's like, I don't know, we can't be dicking around and like wrestling on a Friday night and lose like real money, you know? Yeah. Um, that being said, Thorne did mention on the podcast that he has signed them to a uh a, a limited date contract over the summer. So we'll be seeing more of them over the next couple of months. Uh, again, two really nice guys, two guys that I was very happy to see back. And, uh, I thought this match was a lot of fun. Uh, the fuckets win. And, uh, Nathan Zagura, of course, has to protect his, uh, lucrative bangles announcing thing. and doesn't swear on commentary, which will come back maybe a little bit later on as well. Yeah. Um, again, for me, I'm just giving you the perspective of somebody who's relatively new to AIW. I didn't know who these guys were. You know, and obviously it was mentioned on commentary is, hey, they're returning. So I was just surprised to see them get the win, you know, because yeah. I didn't know their uh, their level of stardom prior to coming back. You know, so I was I was surprised that the Bitcoin boys lost a little upset, ah. you know, you know, I think the Bitcoins are OK. Oh, um, sure. You know, they have enough heat that they could take a couple losses, you know. Yeah. Uh, right. Next up, we have Tom Lawler versus Kaplan. These two have mixed it up before in Multimans. Uh, but this is the first time that they have a singles match together. And uh, it was everything that you would hope it would be. Uh, a lot of times a Kaplan match feels like a real fight. <laughs> feels like a real fight sometimes. <laughs> and uh, Tom Lawler being a real fighter, you know, it was a, an interesting mix. Uh, this definitely didn't feel like, um, this definitely felt like the first of more matches down the road. 
Yeah, I mean, these two guys can exchange wins or losses as many times if you want to go that route. Or you can just have Tom Lawler just keep beating Kaplan and Kaplan keep wanting to come back. You know, be like, I'll fucking show you. I'll get you this time and eventually get the win. There's a lot of things you can do here. And Kaplan tapping out to being choked out by the kendo stick from a legitimate MMA guy uh, does not make Kaplan look weak at all. Nope. Uh, Like I said, I really like this match a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I think, uh, next up we had Isaiah Bronner versus Kingston. Mm-hmm. I love this match. Uh, you know, slow paced at start, feeling out process, uh, lots of hard strikes, uh, and Kingston won. Um, you know, obviously Bronner needs, you know, he gets the big name matches, but a lot of times when the big name people come in, they can't lose. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, just because they're so big. Uh, but I think the fact that it took so many backfists and so many suplexes to put Bronner away, um, especially for someone at the caliber of Eddie Kingston. And that's the thing. So Eddie Kingston has always been at that caliber, in my opinion. So the fact that like now he really is at that higher level, you know, when he was the grand champion in Chikara and he would have that hard-hitting match with someone and then he would leave to give the person who didn't beat him but came real close that moment alone in the ring so they could get that adulation from the crowd 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I'm like, yeah, that's because Kingston's that big of a star. Mm-hmm. But now Kingston, like, really is that big of a star, you know? Yeah. So it means, I think, that much more. You know, uh, there was no way that Isaiah Bronner was going to lose in this match unless he completely went out there and fucked it up, which he's never done in any of the matches that I've ever seen him have. And unless Eddie was going to go out there and sandbag him and make him look like shit, which Eddie would never do that in a million years. Um, But I really like this match a lot as well. Yeah. And like you said, the fact that it took multiple attempts at the same moves, like multiple spinning back fists to, you know, to put Bronner down. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to trade blows for a little bit and then Kingston's going to finish him off. It it took some effort, which further establishes Bronner. So, like, I liked it. And like you said, the acknowledgement of Kingston as he was about to go through the curtain uh, was a nice touch. You know, it was him giving the nod you know, to the fans who might only know Eddie Kingston, maybe you're tuning in and you don't know Bronner, you know, like that was a cool thing. Uh, so next up we have, uh, Derek Dillinger, Derek director taking on chase Oliver, uh, chase is another guy that eventually he needs to rack up some wins. Uh, Derek is racking up the wins, but not winning the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the act of Derek and Ziggy together is fantastic, but I think they're miscast as heels. I know they're supposed to be heels, but they don't give the aura of heels. I think, and again, I don't know Derek as well as a lot of other folks do, but I think Derek gives off too much of a vibe that he's a really nice guy. Like how I mentioned before, in real life, the Duke is a nice guy, but he has such a strong in-ring presence. When you meet him, you're surprised that he's a nice guy. Where Derek comes to the ring and he does all of his stuff and he's you know does all this cool shit in the ring and he's a badass and everything else like this. There's just something about the way that he carries himself. Like you could tell he's a really nice guy. Yeah. I will tell you, like obviously, when did I first start getting like legit into AIW maybe around major announcement last year, you know? Yeah. 
So like post pandemic, you know, I'm obviously not an OG fan. So I, for the longest time, thought Dillinger and Ziggy were baby faces. Right. You know, because maybe it was the fact that they were feuding with Justice, which had Fonzie, and it's hard to root for Fonzie. You know, you just assume what? that Fonzie's the heel. <laughs> like, you know, and like, you're just like, okay, you have a, a guy manager, and then like wanting to get physical with a girl manager. Like, it's just the psychological thing. But like, I always thought Dillinger and Ziggy were the faces up until maybe the last couple of shows but just based on who they were wrestling, because they were maybe in the ring with somebody more face-ish, if that makes sense. You know, but I, so th- I'm just agreeing with you that, like, I thought they were a face act. You know, and there's a lot of times where they'd wrestle, you know, where uh, uh, Dillinger would wrestle Caplet. It's like, who's the heel in that? You know, it's just two guys beating the shit out of each other. You know, right. so it was hard to define roles. Yeah. Um, so more on Derek, of course, later, we're not going to go through an entire, like beat by beat, like all 30 people that come out for the gauntlet, but, uh, Derek gets the win here. Uh, and then next up we have the first half of our double main event, uh, as Dominic Garini in his hometown goes for the absolute and intense titles against that dastardly broski and poor Chelsea. (laughs) Um, Am I starting to come around and think that Broski's shit promos are charming? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I said Broski's promo word for word three seconds before he said it. Because he's not good at his promos. But it's almost charming of how shitty he is at his promos. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so the match really never gets started. Uh, Dom gets uh, Broski in a choke. Uh, Broski looks like he's going to tap out. PME comes in. And then, of course, the viral clip has been around uh, quite a bit from there. Uh, JB and West come out to even up the odds. Uh, Broski goes to level uh, JB with a chair. Of course, you don't hit a monster with a chair. Uh, you bring a machine gun. Uh, Wes gives Broski uh, the stroke because we all love Double J. They make like they're going to shave Broski's head. Again, I would start with the back, maybe. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Chelsea gives them the double nut shot. And then the Britt Baker music hits. Yeah. Um, And then Britt comes out. Chelsea thinks she's there to be her friend. They kind of scuffle a little bit. Holla holla, eight person tag match. And uh, this match was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, Britt Baker gets the win via submission over Chelsea. The baby faces stand tall. And then they announce that they're going to be a meet and greet with Britt after the show. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I love this. Uh, it was perfect. You know? Yeah. I mean, everybody but looks better I'm, coming I'm up. an AIW homer. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I'm critical of them. Publicly, I'm a little bit more critical privately, but when shit works, I'll tell you shit works. When shit don't work, maybe I'll just be quiet, you know? Yeah. Uh, I enjoy this a lot as well uh, for various reasons. Um, I Again, I tell you this out of the perspective of somebody who knows nothing and doesn't know any circumstances that leads to any decisions being made. Uh, when I was watching this match or the buildup to this match, um, and it was Matt Cardona versus Dom. I didn't know where they were going to go with it. You know, like, obviously, the buildup has been to get Broski in there with Bishop. 
Uh, but in the back of my head, I'm like, Dom has been presented as a killer by AIW and justifiably so. I'm like, I don't know what Broski's status is. I don't know what his dates look like. I don't know what they agreed upon. But I was like, I can see them giving the belt to Dom. With that being said, obviously, when the circumstances in the match was changed to the, just the, like a one or two minute thing, I was, a, I don't want to say disappointed, but like, I was like, oh, I would have liked to have seen them have more of a match. Okay. Uh, and again, I don't know any of the circumstances or anything. And I, I'm just saying my initial reaction was that I was like, there's, there's more in the tank. I would have liked to have seen them have, especially, you know, Dom's, like they said, is in his hometown in front of his family and friends. There was a part of me that would have wanted more there. But what we got as a way out of that with the, you know, putting the Rip City shooters in there, putting PME in there, putting Britt Baker in there, it made up for it. And I'm okay with it. I'm just saying initial reactions. I was like, oh, that's all. So I saw a couple people online saying, bullshit, what a bait and switch, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel bait and switched at all. I just wanted to see, you know, little bit more showcasing of Dom, but I didn't know that two seconds later he was going to be, a you know, on the same team as Britt Baker, you know, right. which is a huge so, elevation. So you could argue and say, was this a bait and switch? Yeah, it was a bait and switch. But typically, if you are going to do a bait and switch, you better deliver something bigger than the match that you're not delivering. No, I agree. And that's exactly what we had here. Mm-hmm. And obviously we'll get into, you know, the, the, the gauntlet in a second, but you know, Broski versus Bishop is going to like, it's the AIW WrestleMania, you know, like what's the show called, uh, that's going to be at, uh, absolution, absolution. So like, that's the big, big event. And, you know, you listen to wrestling cheers, you listen to any show that talks about AIW. It's like, all right, this is where they're going to crown Bishop, you know, or this is what we're building up to. And it makes sense. I think we see, and again, I'm spitballing, I know nothing. You see Dom be the first challenger to Bishop there, and I'd love to see Dom turn heel. Dom is beloved by the AIW crowd, beloved as you know, both as a wrestler and a teacher and just a guy that's around and whatever. I would love to see him basically just be like, fuck you guys, you all turned on me, I'm coming for Bishop, and just have him be a guy who tears through people but without the please and thank you and, and smiles afterwards. I want to see him become a killer. Let Bishop get the win over Broski. You know, chase him out of the territory. Uh, but then have Dom come for the belt afterwards. And obviously you can be like, oh, Dillinger's got to get his spot and, you know, whatever. But I want to see this. I want to see Dom get his rematch or get his title shot. So uh, I'll say this. Pre-pandemic, they tried to turn Dom and had him go against Big Twan, who was, like, beloved because of the uh, stuff that they ended up doing on NXT with Gargano and Adam Cole, right? Uh-huh. And when they tried to turn Dom against Twan, the fans booed Twan. But no disrespect to Twan. Twan ain't no Bishop. Uh, okay. Okay. You know? The time will come, is all I can say, right? Yeah. Now, I also want to say... Um, so they mentioned in commentary, we'll get to the gauntlet and everything else like that. And I was just kind of scrolling to see when all that's happened. Okay. Um, so, um, Kevin in his write up, uh, had questioned in regards to Dom's health. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. 
so it was like about a year ago. Okay. Uh, it was actually like July of last year where Dom got diagnosed uh, with some serious stuff. Okay. Yep. And he was told that he'd never be able to wrestle again. And then three months later, he had the match with Suzuki, right? Mm-hmm. So these things happen where you get one diagnosis. And, you know, we make the joke about Ric Flair went to 40 doctors before he finally got a whatever, right? Yeah. The okay to wrestle where Dom was told, like, things were that bad that he would never be able to wrestle again. He's still taking it easy, but, you know, he's back in it, but he's, you know, obviously to get that sort of diagnosis less than a year ago, and then three months later be told that you're okay to go back to wrestling, he's just being cautious. Oh, I get it. There's nothing serious going on now. A year ago there was. Right now there's nothing. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, being cautious, you know? Yeah. And obviously, he, he was involved in an, an hour-plus match, you know, the Cybernetico, but he wasn't in the ring for the entire time, you know. Correct. But, yeah, like I said, I, I just, again, not having a horse in the race, I don't, I know Dom, but I'm not, like, fr- close with him like you are. So, I'm just acknowledging it as a fan, and, I like, I'd like to see that be the direction. I want to see him get the push, you know, and, uh, but at the same time, I want Bishop to get the belt off of Broski. And uh, kind of put a pin on this, you know? Well, we'll get there, right? Yeah. Um, in that, we have the Gauntlet for the Gold up next. Um, we get a bunch of our uh, returns. We get a bunch of our surprises. We get a bunch of first-time meetings. We get a bunch of angles happening throughout the course of the thing. Um, I had joked online and said that it was uh, absolute time because it was supposed to be once every 90 seconds that someone was coming out. And uh, <laughs> it did feel like 90 seconds sometimes. Yeah, but at the if... beginning, I just want to say at the beginning when it was, it started off with uh, what Navarro and Katie Arquette were up first. Yeah. And I, this is my first gauntlet for the gold. And when I think of a gauntlet match, I think, okay, somebody gets eliminated, somebody else comes out. I wasn't sure if it was going to be based on time. Uh, but I feel like the first couple people came out like every five minutes. And then it got more rapid fire as it went. You know, just from not looking at a clock, but just the way it felt. But but I will say this. If the Bruce Pritchard of AIW, uh, Pat, a.k.a. Ronald Two Legs, says that he was strictly adhering to a 90-second schedule, then who am I not to believe <laughs> the Bruce Pritchard of AIW? It's a shame he'll never hear you say that. <laughs> well, again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't expect... I know he don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's all. Don't, ex- don't expect Ed to remember. <laughs> yeah. Even though I texted Ed and tweeted Ed about it, I don't expect any of this to come back up. So... Um, I, I will say that I screwed up. I was very sleepy by the time that things are coming along because it was a long day, you know? Yeah. Um, and I screwed up and I wanted to make the reference and say that Marino was, uh, Fatu in the 1994 Royal Rumble and Philly was Rick Martel in the 1991 Royal Rumble because in the 91 Royal Rumble, no matter what they tried to do to get rick martel to go out he wouldn't go out and philly was just in there forever and then uh marino was in the final four where like the 94 uh royal rumble final four is bret hart 
Made in the USA, Lex Luger, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, and Fatu of the Hamburgers. <laughs> so again, not a knock on him. He's won half of the tag team champions, all that sort of shit. But yeah. it was just the the final four are like it was the Duke who drew number thirty. It was JB. It was Derek, and it was Marino. And again. <laughs> Not a knock on Marino, but I knew he wasn't going to be winning the thing to go one-on-one with Broski at Absolution. Call it a hunch, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and then my money was on the Duke, and that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did say, though, if I was in there and I won, I would uh, not go for the title against Broski. I'd go for the match against the Duke at Absolution, <laughs> get the Haas boot back. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those things where I should have known that JB was winning because he came out at number 27. And that's the number that more people have won from than any other number in Rumble. I mean, Gauntlet for the Gold of History. <laughs> and I think Thorne told me, like, weeks ago who was winning. And then when it got down to the final four, I was like, oh, shit, who's going to win? And I'm like, <laughs> I think I was told who I was going to win. But because they've built up so many people in the AIW, you know, booking of stuff, there was, like, seven or eight guys that, like, legitimately could have won that thing. Yeah. It's made event at their biggest show of the year against Borowski. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Like, obviously, like, if, to me, uh, I always felt like Bishop was going to get it. You know, just again, because it felt like that was the natural buildup. You know, but, you know, Dillinger did a great job. Obviously, it was announced that whoever lost uh, the, the, the Broski versus a Dom match would be in the gauntlet. So obviously I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe Dom will make another deep run in it. Um, obviously I thought Arthur MacArthur stood a chance, you know, but, uh, I always felt it was going to be Josh. Um, so I, I didn't really feel that surprised, but I enjoyed it. Um, a lot of the names during the rumble itself, uh, I'm sorry, during the gauntlet itself, uh, fell flat for me, just for me not knowing who they were. And that's not an indictment on them. That's on me. Um, but the way that Bishop disposed of Dillinger, and I think that's the best way to, and I don't mean that by any offense, but like he disposed of Dillinger by just tossing him out through the table. Yeah. What a way to end the match. Um, and, and again, I think that makes Dillinger look good because the only way you can get rid of him was to kill him. You know, and I thought that was a great ending to it. Um, and then obviously Broski comes out at the end, you know, to just fucking get chased away again by by bishop i think josh bishop is like one of the few people that is turning me anti broski <laughs> like clearly nick gage wasn't going to get it done nick aldis ain't getting it done but bishop you know i'm rooting for that guy i'd say bishop's at least like he's near the top but he's in at least my top hundred of people that i would cheer over broski <laughs> you know what maybe top thousand yeah top thousand all right broski's definitely in my top thousand wrestlers <laughs> But, I mean, I, I like the gauntlet overall. Um, like I said, for me, I, I didn't enjoy all of it, but that's just because I don't know a lot of the people. But, like, right. the people that I recognize, I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be cool. I like, you know, I, here comes, you know, Philly and Marino. Here comes PM, or, uh, Arthur and Shock. Here comes, you know, whatever, Malcolm Cambridge. It's just, here's people that I recognize. But then when it's like, you know, here's a guy who – you know, it was from a AIW original. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, um, or Dick justice. Hey, I know him from, uh, uh an abandoned malls, you know, <laughs> LVAC show. So, uh, there were highs and lows for me, but overall, like I thought it was awesome. 
Right. So I know we got two more shows before Absolution on July 23rd. Yeah. Um, you know, they got a full schedule of shows coming up here. They announced stuff up till the end of August. Did AIW. Uh, they got the June 20 or the June 17th rap show. I think they have another Winchester show in between there. Um, I can't see Broski doing a Winchester show. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get one more something between JB and Broski before Absolution on July 23rd. Okay, so yeah, there's the June 17th Odeon show. Is there another, uh, like, I don't want to say bigger show because... No. But there's not another non-Winchester show before if, Absolution? If I was to guess, it would happen at that, uh, the June 17th, uh, rap show. Oh, so like if you were gonna go to Toyhio, you should probably go to that that AIW show if you were a Broski fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Okay. Good to know. All right. Well, no homework this week, right? Because we have double or nothing. Right. And so, uh, go ahead. so let's get into voicemails, huh? Oh, geez. Yeah. Hey guys, Dwayne in Missouri calling again. Sorry about my first call. Uh. One call in with my time as usual for SmackDown, and I actually lost it. I bumped my phone and deleted the exact time, but I know it was just under 42 minutes. Um, mostly because when the wise man talks, I listen. So I listen to both the opening and ending segments as I uh, was doing some other work. Also, there was one segment that I played twice because I believe it to be the... Uh, best segment in SmackDown history. Uh, it was a 90-second segment, so it actually took three minutes of my time, and that was the on-screen debut of this new young kid, Max Dupree. Um, looking forward to years and years of this man being the center of attention on SmackDown. I think this is going to turn everything around. Chat with you next week. Bye. <laughs> All right, I, I, shame on me. I don't get it because I didn't watch any of SmackDown other than the Roman Reigns stuff. Okay, perfect. So I didn't even watch the uh, Madcap Moss uh, Happy Corbin segment because I knew Madcap Moss wasn't in it, right? Uh-huh. Um, I think I only watched... Uh, how, how long was that segment? I was going to put my hand over the thing like it was going to cover things up. So there was one there was one segment that was about a minute and a half, and there was another segment that was about a minute and a half. I watched each of those segments maybe about three or four times. Um, so I, I'd say like uh, maybe about ten minutes of SmackDown this week, but it was the same two segments over and over again. Uh, the one segment was the on camera with Michael Cole and uh, Pat McAfee about the Sasha Banks Naomi stuff. Okay, I, I uh, heard about. It. I didn't see it. Um, so. Pat kind of sort of was acting like this was the first time that he was hearing anything about this. <laughs> and I don't know, like, you work for World Wrestling Entertainment, you should kind of sort of know what's going on in the company that you work for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that Pat McAfee is a liar, uh, but I'll say that he's a bad actor. How about that? Okay. But the other segment that Dwayne was talking about, we're going to play live on the air. You're going to get the visual. Everyone else is going to get the audio of it, okay? All right. Uh, come in. Adam Pierce. Hi. Hi. My name is Max Dupree. 
and I'm ready to get to work. Uh, okay, pleasure to meet you. Get to work. That's right. I am the CEO of the hottest new modeling agency, Maximum Male Models. And tonight, the discovery begins of a new generation of WWE superstars who can headline Paris Fashion Week and also headline WrestleMania. Okay, uh, so I'm just hearing this for the first time. Really? Yeah, I, I was told you were really excited to have me here. And who told you that? Uh, well, the I person did. who hired me, and that's WWE official Sonya Deville. Okay, so, uh, yeah, this is awkward. So Sonya was relieved of her duties as official a couple of weeks ago, and the circumstances surrounding the dismissal probably make this going forward not a good idea. You know, Adam, you're right about one thing. This is awkward. Because my agency and I, we have a signed contract. Okay, so then I, I guess I better reach out to my little department. Uh, you should. Sorry, what was your yeah. name again? It's Max Dupree. All right, pleasure to meet you, Max Dupree. No, no, Max Dupree. Okay, Max Dupree. You're so close. What? Uh, <laughs> wrestling is saved, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> I. This is the first time seeing this. I, I'm trying to process it. <laughs> you got to give me a minute. Um. Oh, they didn't own the rights to L.A. Knight? <laughs> well, listen. The, uh, Max Dupree sounds very Bruce. I just picture in my head Bruce coming up with this idea of him saying this name in this way. And Bruce, like, in the uh, scene in private parts where... Uh, uh, WNBC. Uh, what's his, where, where Pig Vomit is trying to teach Howard how to say WNBC. It's Bruce trying to teach L.A. Knight how to say Max Dupree the right way. Um, so, is he I'm, still the pride of Hagerstown, Maryland? Okay, okay. So, uh, obviously, they haven't announced him yet. They're not going to announce a hometown of a manager, right? Uh -huh. uh, but I do hope they do slip in a, a Hagerstown, Maryland uh, reference now. While this was going live, I was recording uh, the Patreon show for Longbox Heroes, and uh. my phone was blowing up. You would have <laughs> thought that like my son, like just like won like the greatest award of his life. It's like no, no, <laughs> L.A. Knight is on SmackDown doing his male modeling agency gimmick as a manager. Um, not to say that I wasn't over the moon when I was done and I got a chance to enjoy it. Uh, and I'm glad that now I am forever tied to Max Dupree. Uh, it's a it's a badge of honor that I wear proudly. And like, why is he a manager? <laughs> this makes no sense. Like, let him be a male model, you know, and just that's his gimmick. You know, it's it's been done. It's tried and true. Like, like. Why? Why do you take a guy who was like at least over to you, Joe? But he was like over-ish in NXT. You're bringing him up to the main roster. Let him be a wrestler. It makes no sense. So, oh man, did did we talk about or watch that dark segment that got like aired in full on on uh, like online of the first time that he did the gimmick? And it was no, like because this is the first I'm hearing of any of this. Oh my god. Okay, so maybe about a month or so ago, a full dark segment like leaked online like well first of all somebody put like the first two minutes of it but then there's uh -huh. this youtube channel that 
puts full segments of WWE stuff online, professionally shot and like hard camera dark segments. Uh-huh. So I think it's somebody in the company putting this stuff out there, um, which is fine, you know. Um, so the full segment is he brings out Mace. If you remember Mace from uh, uh, what the hell was it? Uh, Retribution. Yeah. He teamed up with uh, Dijak for a little bit, but now Mace is a male model. And he came out and he, like, you know, L.A. Knight comes out. He's L.A. Knight. He does, like, his name is L.A. Knight. He does the male model thing. He brings out Mace as the first one of his models. Then uh, whatever Ray Rowe in the Viking Raiders is comes out and they have a really shitty match where it's, like, real soft strikes and nobody wants to take any bumps or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Um. So that I think happens. You told me if, I, I'm pretty sure you told me about, like, the Mace, you know, being associated with L.A. Knight, but I, I didn't retain the, the model stuff, uh, and certainly I didn't know he was changing his name, you know? Well, I didn't know he was changing his name sure. until it happened, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think the thought process probably is is that they feel that L.A. Knight is too small. Okay. And especially the fact that they're going to put giants with him to make him look even smaller. Gotcha. All right. Never mind. Fair enough. Thanks for the call. All I watched on SmackDown was the uh, the Uso and Roman Reigns stuff. Right. Next call. Hi, guys. Kevin here. Um, apparently, Adam has me with these rules now, <laughs> and I have to stick with them. So I guess that can only mean one thing. That this voicemail is scheduled for one call. Uh... <laughs> anyway, so recently, Team Punk, uh, Adam Page, two other people have been coming out with different shirts and graphics and tributes and stuff like that, whether it be, you know, gay, trans, uh, abortion, um, women's rights, wh- whatever it might be. And you can see reactions online, and I kind of imagine there's plenty of kids that, you know, don't have a social media presence that see a wrestler, a tough person, whether male, female, um, trans, anything, out there in public doing something like this, and maybe that gives them a little strength to carry on another day, to go forward a little more. And, geez, coincidentally for the two major national promotions, we're only seeing this happen in AEW. So weird. Almost huh. as if WWE, you know, claims certain things, but really uh, doesn't want the attention and doesn't want to, I don't know, upset stock people, upset Linda McMahon's former coworkers. You know, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering for you guys, uh, what do you think the responsibility is for someone in the public eye to be an example, to be a leader, and to maybe put stuff out there, especially, you know, lately it seems like uh, Texas has had a few interesting uh, shirts and graphics and stuff when AEW has been there. Um, What is their own responsibility, and do you think it's one that they should really try to champion or up to the individual? And uh, if you maybe have an example of someone that, was very good for such a thing like this. You know, hey, we're all hoping that maybe something happens and the world can become a better place after this week. Love you guys. Love the show. Bye. Um, 
I'll just take this real quick and I'll give it over to you, Joe. Like, um, obviously we saw, you know, Phil wearing his, his shirts about like, uh, abortion, you know, because Phil is a very vocal person on Twitter and like all social media that he's like, you know, got some pretty good ideas, you know, like he, he, he aligns with us or at least with me on a lot of social issues, you know? So, uh, I think that it's awesome that like he wears that and like obviously hangman page wore like the pride chaps, you know, like kind of like the rainbow colors when he wrestled in Texas recently. So I like it when they go ahead and they put their, their, their money where their mouth is or the mouth where the money is, whatever. Uh, so I like when that happens. I don't think I want to say that they have a responsibility to do it because, you know, like as Kevin pointed out in the WWE, you might not have that option or you might be at risk of losing your job. And some people listening to this might say, well, you know, screw your job. Do, do, if you have a message, do it, you know, and consequences be damned. I don't want to say that, but I like the fact that it seems that AEW uh, gives their people the leeway to, to make those choices. And if you feel like you want to do it like punk and hangman, and I'm sure many others have, I think it's awesome. Um, so like I said, I, if, they feel they want to do it, do it. Uh, I applaud them when I see it. And uh, that's all I want to say about it. So uh, AEW is great that it does give a lot of their performers, a lot of their performers, that sort of leeway to go forward and kind of make these, you know, statements that can be polarizing. And it's kind of easy for you and I to say good for them for doing this, because I think we both kind of agree with those sentiments. Yep. Um, now, not that AEW's roster isn't perfect. I'm sure there's a lot of people on the AEW roster, as I'm probably pretty sure, that don't agree with the sentiments of the public-facing stuff that we've seen from people like CM Punk or Adam Page. Um, if you follow them on social media, you find out all about it. But I say, I'm sure AEW would give you that same opportunity to be just as outspoken, as vocal as these guys are if you feel the other way but you get to deal with those consequences just like yeah. punk and page have to deal with those consequences. WWE on the other hand is another situation. WWE is a publicly traded company. WWE likes to tell their viewers that they don't have any sort of partisan thing, that it's not a political company. Uh, if you remember years and years ago, uh, they gave like uh, who the hell did Obama run against in his first term? John McCain, maybe. Uh, they gave them both equal time on WWE TV to speak to the WWE audience to come and vote for one or the other, like equal time sort of thing. But we all know what side the majority of the higher ups at WWE lean on. There's a lot of people in the company that don't feel that way. You can certainly get an idea of that from social media. But I feel as though the bigger you are in the company, the more of a presence you have even though they try not to make superstars anymore that are these larger than life characters. Um, you know, when there was those, the, the riots and the shootings and everything else, um, the George Floyd stuff, the stuff that happened in Minnesota, uh, you know, two years ago, the new day came out and they had, you know, moment of silence stuff. They had themed gear for it. And I'm not going to say that they can get away with it, but they're big enough, whether Vince wants them to be or not, that they can go out on TV and do that and essentially say, like, if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think WWE is never going to dictate to anyone to do this. I think the people who have a higher profile can and should use their voice whether I agree with it or not. Mm -hmm. 
as long as you're not spreading direct ignorance and hate, then I think you're okay getting your message out there. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, good single call this week. All right. Let's (laughs) get to uh, pink button time. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um, I was watching uh, 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 AEW, and Swerve is the fucking coolest. (laughs) Do you see all the cool flips he did? One of the four coolest things you can do in wrestling, which are like flips, punches, kicks, and slams. I think flips are probably the coolest of those four things. And Swerve does a bunch of cool ones. He's just the coolest dude. And uh, that's really all this call is about. It's like, <laughs> Swerve's so fucking cool, guys. <laughs> I, I'm going to watch the pay-per-view. Um, don't tell TK, but I'm probably going to not watch it by legal means. But I will watch it. Um very excited for uh you know the two matches that matter um you know swerve's title match and punk's title match and it's on twitter and i mean joe i mean i may have a new favorite guy in aew after but i gotta wait i gotta wait and see how the pay-per-view shapes up i'll let you know next week whether i do or not but yeah swerve's the coolest guys so fucking cool <laughs> Fucking <laughs> Oh man, I feel like he left so much more on the table. I wish I had more Ed this week. Well, again, I think he got distracted by uh, Doyle, aka Pop Van Dam. So Ed does call back. Yay! Listen, guys, I got rattled at the end because Doyle leaned over onto the PlayStation controller and it started uh, playing music from the YouTube video I was watching. It's being a uh, uh, smiley. It's very good, but um. I didn't even get to say. Um, well, Kevin's there's two calls, Adam. Uh, maybe you guys should think about coming out to uh, the WrestleFest and the AIW show on July 30th. Maybe maybe you guys should think about coming out, right? Wink, wink, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe some cool shit's going to happen, right? Maybe. So maybe, maybe keep that Saturday open, guys. Think about it. Hey, remember earlier in the show when I said if I know something, usually I try to keep it a secret and I don't like to spoil things? Yeah. That's not Ed. No, no, not at all. No. No. Almost seems like he knows things and he just wants to shout it from the rooftops. Certainly does. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. more, More on these developments as they become available to us. Call the hotline. PayPal me. I'll tell you what's going on. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, so, uh, hey, not going to hit everything here, of course, but, uh, Jerry.TV, we talked about the AIW, uh, show from this past weekend, new subscribers, if you've never checked out all the independent wrestling that streams live or on the back catalog, all your favorite wrestlers, all your favorite promotions, whether defunct or not, uh, you can certainly check them out over at independentwrestling.tv, aka Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. New subscribers use the promo code at odds, and uh, if you remain a subscriber, and you most certainly will, we get a little bit of a kickback on your subscription. You can head over to our T Public store. The thirty percent sale is going on. The thirty five percent sale is going off this weekend. Uh, you can head there through the mothership link, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, and of course, you can make any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. 
I'm a little distracted because the banner's not working on the site right now, but <gasps> the links are working. The link goes to long the the banner goes to Longbox, but the links are all working where they're supposed to go to. It's just like whatever the imaging is. I need to look at it when we're done here. Uh, and that's distracting to me. Uh, but any and all of your purchases help uh, any little bit. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. No purchases this week, sadly. Oh, come on, people. I I, I didn't want to have to say it. Yeah. I was kind of like leaving it open there so that oh. you can move on. and. Yeah, you know, it hurts too much. Sometimes you got to take a moment. All right. Well, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check while you're talking. Go ahead. I'll see if any any purchases have come in in the last like 24 hours. All right. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of things that have come in in the last 24 hours, I'm sure some of these podcasts have uh, <laughs> had new episodes. Uh, those podcasts that you should listen to are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Final Wrestling Plays, Porch Talk, Viewers Choice. WWE War Wrestling Cheers, which you can now go ahead and resubscribe to. Uh, Joe said that you can do that. Uh, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Hellions Talks, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, and uh, don't go listen to the A Show because I still don't plug them. So uh, forget about the A Show. But that's all the plugs. I think that's all you really need. Yeah, that's it. And the only other thing that we need uh, is this. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe, this is, I'm sure this is going to be a nice long segment. I'm sure you got lots of purchases. I got nothing. Like I said, I'm on a, I'm on a bit of a spending freeze just because my birthday is coming up soon, and I don't like to indulge on myself. But I have a feeling I might be getting an action figure or two, so probably next week I'll have some defenders for them. Okay. Well, I don't have a lot of purchases because, again, we are in the year of financial responsibility. Oh, um, I, I do have just a couple, and then I have a little bit of a talking point uh, to, to wrap it all up. But uh, as I'm sure you might remember, maybe like a month or two ago, I had uh, thought about the idea of becoming the Michael Jordan of Johnny Lawrence figure collecting. Yes. That was a uh, – yeah, that was a little while back. There was a lot of uh... – hoops and uh, loopholes that you were trying to create for yourself to make that a reality. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think when I had said that I was going to do it, I looked at the figures that had existed and that aside from the old Remco, there was like four figures and I was like, Oh, this is very doable. But then I went on entertainment earth and there was at least four different ones up for pre-order. And like some of them were like 60, $70 figures. And I was like, uh, maybe I'm not going to do this. Uh, but I did buy a Diamond Select Johnny Lawrence figure uh, from uh, the Cobra Kai line, and it was like 
They say it's a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, but I didn't buy it from no San Diego Comic-Con. I bought it from Entertainment Earth. Uh, but I already have a three-pack of uh, Daniel-san, Johnny Lawrence, and Sensei Kreese. And this is the Johnny Lawrence like kind of packaged separately with a couple different accessories. So uh, my, I'm not going to be the the Michael Jordan or even the Scottie Pippen. Maybe I'll be like the Eligante. <laughs> <laughs> like we go that far down the basketball uh, rankings, but I, I'll get a couple Johnny Lawrence's when I see them. I'm not going to be a completist though. Anything else? I do. I was pausing for your adulation, but you have none. Um, no, I, Hey, listen, I'm glad that you were able to show some restraint. Yes. Uh, you know me, I show restraint all the time. All right. So there's this other figure and this has actually been on my watch list for a long time. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about buying uh, the SH Figuarts Arts uh, Mandalorian figure. And it was like an import and like a super detailed, like lots of accessories and whatnot figure. I don't know if you remember that. Vaguely. Give me something, Joe. All right. So uh, there is a similar style, like high end collectible figure um, figure line called Soap Studio. Have you ever heard of them? No. All right, so they do similar things to SH Figure Arts where it's like super, super detailed figures, you know, to scale, um, like higher priced price point, but they have the DC license. I think they have like Harry Potter and some other stuff like that. But there is a reverse Flash figure that they made, and it, I'm going to send it along to you while I'm talking, but it is the reverse Flash from the TV show. And it's based on the first season. Uh, and this is something I've wanted for a while. And the problem with these figures, and you'll see it when you get the, the picture coming in, is because they're like super detailed and have like a lot of accessories, is a lot of these fools want to open them and put them on display and pose them and all that stuff. Yeah. And I don't want none of that. So I was holding out for the longest time trying to find a mint in box sealed one. And you can see from the picture, like this comes with like, the reverse flash head, the reverse flash with like the, the glowing red eyes comes with the Harrison Wells head. It's like a super cool packaging. Um, but like I wanted one of these guys sealed and they just never popped up on eBay. And somebody put one up last week for like 120 bucks, which was not a bad price. So I just clicked watch on it, but I was like, I can't, I I'm in the year of financial responsibility. I'm not spending $120 on it. If it's, if it, it Maybe next year, maybe a couple months, whatever. I'm not spending that kind of money. Um, the guy sent me an offer of a hundred bucks, and I was like, "Ooh, all right, still, still a good deal, still a good deal." Because these things used are like a hundred bucks all day, but I'm not doing it. It's the year of financial responsibility, so I just keep it on my watch list for like a week or so, and then I noticed that he lowered the starting price to a hundred dollars, and it still says best offer. So I was like, all right, he's, he's coming down a little bit. And I was like, all right, I have no business buying this figure, but I'm going to send an offer and just to, just to see where I'm at. So I sent a best offer of 60 bucks and it got accepted. Woo! So I was like, well, fuck, how low could I have gone? You know? You'd be but, foolish not to buy it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I, well, I, you have to, when you send the offer, you know, it was accepted. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in my eyes, I got it for a freaking steal. It's something I wanted for a while. It's from like the one good season of The Flash. <laughs> and uh, 
I, I am a reverse flash mark, even like outside of the TV show. So uh, really cool piece. I, I like it a lot. Related but unrelated, I just sent you the link to it so you could see because it's multiple pictures. Okay. The There's a Mezco One 12-inch uh, Deluxe Green Goblin that just went up today or the other okay. day. Ooh, I like the accessories. I know. So it's 112 bucks, right? Uh-huh. Which is crazy. But you get so much cool shit with it. Yeah, it's a 1 in 12 scale, which is what that reverse flash is. Okay, right, right. So that's what made me think of it when you said the I, – I said 12-inch, 1 in 12. You know, yep. you know what I meant. Yep, yep. So – Here's the thing. At that price point, and it being Norman, I could maybe pass, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, if they do a Dr. Octopus one with that one, I got no choice. Yeah. Um, so that's, like, a real slippery slope of those Spider-Man villains. Like, I like uh, – Spider-Man's my guy. Uh, you know, uh, Spider-Man has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. <laughs> uh, behind the Flash – and uh, far ahead of Batman. And like I said, that's a really cool looking figure. I can't make the pull for 112 bucks for Dr. Octopus. I have to. So, yeah. it's, you know, look, look at us toy boys. Like gone are the days of us talking about 20, $30 figures. We're here looking at big boy figs now. Well, that's the thing, you know, because the, the adult collector is who they're modeling this after, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Pretty damn cool, man. Pretty damn cool. Anything uh, else? Uh, I, I, that's, that's all the purchases that I've made. Uh, I definitely did not purchase the one of 100 Threadheads NWA Broski figure robe. Uh, I definitely didn't have Shawnee Caulfield give me the Iggy that it went up for sale. Uh, and I definitely didn't go to Matt Cardona merch and buy one of those. So I, I can't add that to my weekly purchases cause I definitely didn't buy it, even though there's only a hundred of them made and definitely no more than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely didn't buy that, and it definitely won't ship within the next couple of days. Uh, but, yeah, that's all I have for purchases. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> I bought it to flip. I mean, I, if I had bought it, Joe, I would have bought it to flip. Uh-huh. Because I do have an, a, a remarkable and unblemished record of flipping major pod limited items. Uh, and aside from a couple times when I gotten some heat from it, I've always made my money back and then some. That's what I would say if I had bought that figure robe. And I'll say you mm-hmm. uh, today were attempting to pressure me in going as far as tagging me <laughs> in a post on uh, in the Toy Boy group about, because obviously they just put out the Bendies where it was a $75 set uh, and it was Conrad Thompson, Double J uh, from when he walked out on Vince the first time <laughs> and Double J from when he walked out on Vince the second time, Bendies, right? Yeah. And it was a $75 set. A lot of people wanted that Conrad. Not so many people wanted the Double J, right? Yeah. So a guy put up in the group that he was going to sell the two Double Js for $45. Right. Uh, 45 shipped. Yep. Because you got to realize before you go any further, that $75 three-pack, it's $75 plus tax plus shipping. So, I mean, that's going to be closer to like $95. Sure. All said and done. So I can't find the post that you tagged me in to see if the guy still has them up, you know? Yeah. Um, but obviously, if he's trying to bump them for 45 and, again, not as many people love Double J like I'd love Double J, I could probably wait until they come down to, like, 40 mm-hmm. 
and then maybe I could get him for 35 from the guy. Yeah. I mean, there's a thousand of them, you know, so I feel like these are going to be around for a while. Uh, and I think they're really pushing the, I don't think these sold as well as they thought they were going to. Um, you know how you can do the thing on the website whenever they use Big Cartel and similar sites where you can just say, I'd like to purchase, you know, 900 and they'll say, sorry, we don't have 900. So you lower it to 800 and we don't have, you know, you keep doing it until you figure out how many they have in stock. Yeah. Um, I did that sporadically with the original four bendies. Um, and like, if you go to their website now and they obviously they've been out for a couple months now, they're down to like 60 uh, sets of the original one. So we're getting close to the original one selling out. Um, I did the same thing over the last couple of days with the Conrad and Jarrett ones. Uh, they've already gone through, I want to say 350 to 400 of them, which okay. is, is a similar, albeit a little bit slower pace than the original set went for, you know, or like kind of sold at. Um, now, so what, what I mean by that is like the initial run of like major pod fans, major bendy fans and the Conrad and Jarrett fans might have given it a false fast start. And it might just be like, okay, everybody that wanted them has got them, you know, where like the, the major pod ones had a little bit more legs. Yeah. Um, but like the initial sales based on my investigative journalism, uh, shows that there's, they at least started selling at the same pace. Okay. Now, with that being said, I think I messaged you guys in the in the, the group chat that I explored getting the Danhausen Pandora's box exclusive one that's limited to 250. Uh, and Pandora's box wants $120 plus shipping for that Danhausen. They they can keep it. <laughs> like sure. if it was if it was 50 bucks, maybe I would have did it. You know, like who knows? Maybe I could have been convinced for 60 bucks. You know, but the way I see it, the major moments uh, that were limited to 150, uh, you got the pair for $70, you know, so I'm like, oh, that's uh, I like Dan Housen and all and I don't want to be cursed, but $120 plus shipping for that one figure just did not make sense. Right, right. Um, but with that being said, uh, just I wasn't going to talk about this, but it's kind of you remind uh, this is bringing it up. I do have that extra major moment set. Like I bought two sets with the intention of flipping one. Um, and I think I put one in the group last week in the flea market and it didn't get any bites because everybody's like, Oh, you only paid 70. You should give it to me for 75, you know? So I'm like, I'm not having none of that. Um, so I'm thinking like I might sit on these long-term for the flip. Like, sure. Maybe I'm buying the Kool-Aid, but, you know, like, it's one thing if Broski says it. You got to take it with a grain of salt. But, like, Brian makes a good point that, like, hey, there are going to be fans of this line, potentially. And, like, they've announced Series 3. Who know, You know, maybe there is five uh, series. Maybe there's ten series. And, like, there might be people that collect this line that are going to be completionists that haven't even started listening to that pod yet. Yeah. You know, and, like... These these major pod uh, major moment figures, there's only 150 of them and there's a broski Funko pop that they made 400 of that goes for over a thousand bucks, you know, so I'm like, maybe I'll sit on these for a year, you know, or two years and see what happens. Maybe I lose the money, you know, but I think it's worth the risk. 
Yeah, so there's none sold uh, of the Double J's on eBay. There's a guy trying to sell them for 40 each as opposed to 45 the two together, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like I said, none have sold yet. You know, there's no completed listings of the Double J. Um, but like if I find that post of the guy selling them for 45 together, I'll maybe revisit that guy in like a week and see if he still has them. Um, you know, obviously I really want to get the first set, uh, of stuff that I have out there, the zombie sailor stuff. You know, I think we got an update that said, uh, they're supposed to dock in New York, uh, in two weeks and then they'll be shipping out three to four weeks after that. So they're going to be great under the tree at Christmas when they finally arrive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the double J's are in hand. I like double J, but again, I have retros. I don't have major, I don't have bendies, let alone major bendies. So it's not an immediate purchase, you know? Yeah. I'll keep looking though. Like I'll, I, there's going to be a price point for the pair shifts. I, yeah. uh, I think if I found the pair for 35 shifts, I think I would just have to like be like, all right, I'm buying it. Just send me the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Joe, you're an asshole. I'm just buying them. You have no choice. Give me the money. And at yeah. that point, I'd be like, well, fuck, I have to give them the money. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Um, the other thing I was just going to put in my – I had in my notes here is I I forget which what it was. I think I had gotten uh, uh, a couple wrestling figures. It might have been – Whatever the last AEW figures I I had, a, I, I I was trying to put them away and I just have no space. And then I was like, oh, I I want to put this in the detolf, but I, there's no space in the detolf. I have reached critical mass with both my toy room and my detolfs, so I don't know what I should do. I, I there needs to be a major public works project going on in my house. I don't know if I need to strip the detolfs down completely and start all over, and just try to figure out how to put more stuff in there. I don't know if I need to be like, all right, I can't put all of like the major pod stuff in a detolf. It's just got to be selective or I've got to lose a, a Transformers detolf completely. Or do I need to start buying more detolfs and get rid of a chair that's on the other side of the room and just add more display space? Uh, and then in the toy room, there's there's no room. You have to do it like the Scott Hall walk is not a joke. It's getting bad. I think I need to start like toting stuff up, not like opening it, but like toting it up and putting it in the garage because my rule when I first started building the toy room was if I can't display it, I can't have it. So everything originally when I built that room was facing like the front of the box out. And then I was like, well, that's not going to work. And then everything started to go spine first, but now there's stuff hidden behind other stuff. And there's a couple piles on the floor in the corner. And, and like, I've, something's got to give and I don't know what to do. So let's either buy more detolfs, uh, pack stuff up, put it in the cellar. I don't know what to do, but something's got to get done soon. Uh, I, my vote is uh, another detolf. I would need at least two more detolfs. If two I was, I, you can't buy them in singles. I mean, you can, but that's why drive to Philly. If you're just going to buy a detolf, right. you know? Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got the the space. I have this massage chair that somebody gave me that I just mm. use as like laundry holder. <laughs> you know, I've never used it. So if you need a, a massage chair for your 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 foot, you know, let me know. I'll hook it up. But it's just in the way at this point. And I I could definitely put a couple detolfs on that wall. I say go take the trip to Philly, get two more detolfs. You'd be foolish yeah. not to. Yeah. I wonder if they're they're still as hard to get as they were during the pandemic. 
because I made like several pandemic trips to Ikea uh, stocking those in the early right. days, weekly purchases. But I wonder if you could just walk into an Ikea and then just be there as opposed to having to like check online and speed. You can't, you can't check the stock online? Oh, you can check. The, the website will tell you uh, like tons in stock or limited stock or none in stock. You know, it won't, I don't think it, at least it didn't back then. It didn't say like, oh, this store has 27 of them or whatever. It just, it'll say, you know, green, yellow, red type deal. And I used to, like, I would check it, uh, like the night before I'd be like, oh, I'm off tomorrow. Let me check it tonight. And I'm like, oh, the one in, you know, Philadelphia has them, you know, it's green. All right. I'm going to get up first thing in the morning and drive there, you know, and then you'd stop halfway for a soda or something like that. And be like, oh, it's down to yellow. Go faster. Um, but I just wonder like if they sell out as quickly, you know, cause obviously I haven't heard anybody talk about them as much lately. People well, have these other weird cubics and stuff like that, you know? Well, what I would suggest maybe is kind of do, uh, maybe a twice or thrice daily stock check. Yeah. To get an idea of what the, I guess, you know, the sale of them the is, patterns. you know? Yeah. Yeah. If there's a pattern of like, okay, I could see a stock comes in on this day. I could see, you know, they've had the same four sitting there for the last three days. So maybe I could feel confident to take the trip down tomorrow because by then it'll be good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have to look into this. And like I said, I need to. I was I, I was kind of panicking because I was putting away those major moment bendies and I was putting them with the rest of the, the major bendies that I had. And I was like, where's my mailway Tanner Broski one? And I couldn't find it. And I was looking everywhere. And you know where it was, Joe? It was in a box with the ringside figures, which aren't on display. And it was next to a bunch of micro brawlers that aren't on display. And I was like, I have so much of this garbage that I've bought into. I don't have any of it on display anymore because I just ran out of room. So I need to figure out something, and I think more detolfs might be the solution. I, I'd i be hard-pressed to disagree with that. Yeah. All right. And I almost, when I was rearranging stuff, I almost took my Mint on Card uh, HBK Hasbro, and I was <gasps> like, well, I could take this out of the detolf and just put it on a shelf in the toy room. And I was like, no, bad Adam. That's stupid. So that made me think, okay, I need more detolfs. I was going to bump that in the Slim Jim Macho, uh, and I was going to, like, give more space to uh, something else in, in those details. And once I realized the the craziness of those words, I was like, I need more shelves. Yes, for sure. So more on that story as it develops as well. But that's all I have. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think this is plenty show that we've done here today. If anything, it's too much show. Right. And, hey, we forgot to mention, last but not least, and by, and by now I'm sure a lot of people – don't care about the doll talk, but uh, next weekend is real rumble Friday, Saturday. Uh, don't know any of the matches, know some of the talent that's announced. Um, Mantis never texted me back about any of the matches. So your guess is as good as mine as to what's going on with it. <laughs> yeah. A couple new names, a couple old names, you know, announced a little bit of mixture for sure. I'll be there. You know, that's the most important thing. So come say hi. <laughs> that is yes. No matter and, what, you'll always be there. That's right. Until I'm not. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, thank you very much for listening to episode 191 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network. 